1: Hello, Bulls fans. Welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue White Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us. Today on the show, we discuss the Bulls continuing their winning ways in preseason, this time with another nice win against the Cleveland Cavaliers, as well as that dominant performance the other day against the Pelicans. Things have gone well through the first three games but how much of what we have seen is real versus what is maybe less sustainable let's say can can the defense remain this, this effective has Lonzo Ball kind of already exceeded our expectations or is this just like a, a run of nice three games I also want to discuss the the back of the roster and who gets the last spot on the team and here to help me get into all of that and more is Chris Amundsen one of my good friends from within the Bulls community as well as one half of the Bulls 101 podcast Chris how are you mate I'm doing great, Mark. It's it's good to be here and join some preseason
0: action. It's been a long time. It feels like since I've been this excited about the Bulls and we've seen a lot of good results so far. So looking, looking forward to getting into it with you.
1: Yeah, likewise, mate. Uh I, 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 I second everything you've said. The, the The last week or so has been a, a very good time to be a Bulls fan. It's been a lot of fun, um, and I, that's why I was hopeful of getting you on as well as your mate Laro there from the from the Bulls 101 podcast. Unfortunately, he couldn't join us tonight. He was a late scratch. But um, Laro, if, if you're out there, my friend, and you're you're listening, you're probably not because you're you're very busy at work. But um, just we're thinking about you, mate. But uh, we wish you were here. But but you're not, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: life gets in the way sometimes but no that's how it is
1: well yeah it's uh you know he priorities priorities and clearly didn't didn't just didn't value you and me chris i just didn't want to jump on and have a conversation with you me and, and the bulls it's a uh, interesting decision by him
0: you know i it, i was gonna say i, d- I didn't want to you know be be too hateful but i mean <laughs> c red ted is in your life and you're still you're still here, and I got two I kids, know. and I'm still here. I just, you know, I'm just not sure about the commitment level on Laro's end at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we'll have to have a, a quiet word to him about that. Um, but uh, we we can do that offline. But nonetheless, let's get stuck into. The balls because uh, they, unlike Laro, are, are turning up and uh, and are doing a damn good job about <laughs> it. And uh, thus far through 3, pre-seasons games, uh, three, pre-seasons, three preseason games games, three three games, well, probably more so the first two. Like they were dominant performances. That the, the balls are up by 40, 50 odd points during those first two games. At, at certain points, this this most recent game against the Cavs wasn't as dominant as the first time around, but it's nonetheless, the Bulls got the W, which was which was good, I guess, to see because obviously they're not going to win every game by 40 or 50 points, but it's, it is it is interesting to see how, how they react, I guess, when things aren't necessarily going their way, which was certainly the case against the Cavs on, on the second round, uh, the second chance playing them, I guess, because the offense just for whatever reason wasn't humming tonight. Um, Zach Levine, Lonzo, Ibrahim Vucevic, they just didn't have it going in terms of offense, couldn't really hit a shot. Uh, I didn't really like the shot selection, to be fair, as well, and the ball was kind of sticking in in the, in, uh, in their hands as well. So, more 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 generally, I guess the offense wasn't as beautiful as it had been in the, in their first two games. But I guess what was encouraging was the defense was able to keep the balls in this game. Um, so I guess you know just thinking about what I mentioned off the top in terms of the fact that this is only preseason, and I know I I, I muttered that line quite a few times on the previous episode of Balls HQ, but. I guess I'm just trying to figure out now over the next couple or the last preseason game based on, as well as what we've seen previously on the first three preseason games is what is real, what is sustainable versus what is not. So that's a pretty broad and high level question for you, Chris, but um, maybe we can start there based on what we've seen over the first three preseason games. What, to your eyes at least, do you think is real and sustainable? I'm assuming you won't say if every game is going to be uh, determined by 40 points, but um, maybe maybe the offense. We can start there. Like, What have you seen on the offense that you think is real and sustainable or transferable into the regular season?
0: I mean, I think you can learn a lot from preseason. You don't want to focus so much on the results or if there's like hot shooting or whatever. Uh, those types of performances aren't necessarily transferable. What you want to look at is the types of offensive sets that they're running, the types of looks that they're getting. So it's not for example, Vucevic is a good uh indicator here. He -hmm. has missed a whole lot of shots in preseason. I think he's like 0 for 15 or something on from the three-point land. (laughs) And but you you see the looks he's getting from three are really good and and open. The looks that Zach has been getting are open. The looks that Lonzo been getting is open. So when you see those types of things, the type of offense that they are getting, and I think, as you mentioned tonight, the Cavs really got into the Bulls defensively. They were in passing lanes more. They were trying to use their size to prevent them from getting inside. And they were, they were pretty effective, so they clearly watched a lot of film from the first game and were not very happy about that result. So it's good to see what the Bulls will do in responding to that adversity, those adjustments that the other team's going to make. Uh, a lot of times you're going to get that during a game. But obviously that first preseason game, they're just kind of throwing it out there and see what's going on. Uh, but from an offensive standpoint, I've been really impressed. We had 36 assists, I think, the first game, 30 assists the second game, and very, very low turnovers. This one was really close. I think it was 18, 18 assists and 17 turnovers. So this is what I more what I expected from the Bulls is kind of having a little bit of a choppy Start because of their lack of familiarity. I think the first two games were a little bit of an outlier in that sense, where mm-hmm. the ball was just crisp and, and moving. But I do, I am really, really encouraged by the offense, the, the, the way that they've been running their sets. And, and Laro and I went into it for like two and a half hours last night, going through film on, on both ends. Just to see what they were running, and they're doing a really, really good job of working through Vucevic in the post mm. as kind of like the hub of the offense, and having yep. Lonzo, Demar, and uh, and Zach kind of take turns doing dribble handoffs and screening for each other. So, really, really encouraging things. So, I think those things are sustainable. It's more about you know that you're going to have off shooting nights like they had tonight, and you're going to have adversity where the where the opposing defenses are, are keen in on certain guys and you know we, we got to see how they respond to that in the future.
1: Yeah 100% and, and you touched on it there and it was a point that I wanted to get dive more deeply into because you know three games now it's still not a huge sample size and things are obviously subject to change as we move through the regular season but what has become pretty clear to me is that I don't know if it's right to say that this is Vucevic's offense because it's not really anyone's offense, and and what I mean by that is there was a lot of talk amongst the fan base let's say about you know who's the primary guy is it Zach Levine is it DeMar Derozan is it Lonzo Ball or whoever it may be, um, you know I don't even know if that question is really rele- relevant at this point, but I mean if you have to define it as one singular force within this offense that makes this thing go. Uh, Again, it's not Vucevic's offense, but if I'm leaning towards one guy at the moment, he is kind of the guy that is making this whole thing work, at least within the starting unit. And you touched on it there. You and Lara discussed it on your show, but he's basically involved in every single action that the Bulls are running at this point, uh, and most prominently uh, as the screen option and, and then as a pick and pop or pick and roll option because... You know, obviously he's the center, which is the, the centers are typically the ones setting the screens. But the, the fact that the balls are playing so small as well, it's not like you have a, another traditional size big out there who's necessarily going to maybe share that screening or pick and roll action load with Vucevic. So I don't know, I, I guess the, the main takeaway from me on offense, and, and there's many, but the, the, the main one is like how involved Vucevic is on this offensive squad right now. And how yeah, just how how much he's sort of dictating what occurs on, on on offense to the point where you know I was I was really wondering who would be the primary option whether it's Zach and or Demar and who who will be the lead option distributing the ball creating off the ball and those sorts of things but. Um, you you noted it there. It's kind of like Lonzo, Levine, uh, DeMar. They're kind of taking turns, whereas Vucevic is the one constant. Um, you you know, initially is setting that pick, but then as a role guy, as a pop guy, uh, do you think that is transferable into the season? Do you think that's the way they're going to maintain running their offense? Or do you think at some point it will eventually transition to somewhat, to something more wing based or perimeter based where you're still using Vucevic? But maybe not to the same volume volume you are now, or, or I don't know. How do you, how do you see that transpire transpiring?
0: I agree with you in a sense that everything is kind of running through Vucevic, and, and the reason I think that's the case is number one, he the spacing he provides allows for the many kind of uh, athletic slashers we have on this team, whether it's Zach Demar, you know Derek Jones Jr., mm. um, you know uh, Javante Green. We've we've got a lot of really good slashers having Vucevic be involved in pick and pop options or dribble handoffs at the top of the key pulls the center out to the top of the key and opens up those lanes for our slashers and then you've got guys like Lonzo and Alex Caruso when they've got the ball they're really really good ball movers really quick decision makers and they can hit those guys running and so we saw a lot of easy lobs and you know great slashing from the first two games it was they were Picking those, those passes off a little bit better this game. But, yeah, I really do think that Vucevic, whether he's shooting or not, the gravity that he provides on the offensive end um, it, it, from that three-point line and the fact that he can kind of pull up and, and have a, like a nice mid-range jumper uh, around the nail or, or back to the three-point line, that's going to be a key factor in, in giving Lonzo space and giving DeMar space and giving Zach space. So I think it is a key part of the offense. I don't know if he's going to be shooting a ton. They have been kind of trying to get him involved early, you know, little pick and roll sets where uh, there was one where Lonzo was involved as the the ball handler and he just did a little pick and roll kind of at the top of the key and right as he hit the right wing or the right elbow, he just passed over to the left elbow where Vooch had an open jumper And, and they've run that play not with just Lonzo the ball handler but a couple different people. Um, over the course of these three games, so I think it is something we're going to see continue. I think it is the grease that makes the offense really, really work well.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I definitely agree, and I, I guess the the part where. You know, I'm still I'm still trying to work it out in my own mind. Is, is this what's is this what's going to happen more generally? Is the fact that it is a is, is, it's a three game sample, which is obviously a small sample, but the teams that the Bulls have played have typically employed some type of drop coverage against the Bulls. So, with the Cavs, we've obviously played them twice. Jarrett Allen is a is a big that's probably more prone to dropping back. Similarly, with the Pelicans, where you know Jonas Valanciunas, he's not a guy that's going to be up on Vucevic. So. You know he's getting a lot of these nice, clean, easy looks from the three-point line, or even the mid-range game, where he's sort of just popping after the screen and really settling into that jump shot. And, and you noted it before, like he, he's clearly not hitting, um, which is not an over, overly concerning thing because we, we know he can, he's obviously an efficient uh, an efficient scorer, particularly from that jump shot. So he he will get it together at some point, but maybe. The amount of volume that is going through him in terms of his own offense, or the amount of shots he's getting, is just due to the product of the of the you know the center that he's facing up against. So maybe against some different looks, you know, he'll still be used as the uh, the screening option, let's say. But in terms of his um his ability to then be the the finisher, let's say, maybe that changes over the course of the season. But I, I think it's pretty clear that he's going to be involved in in a lot of action, and he's going to dictate a lot of the terms of what the Bulls do on offense, and which just you know, continues to add some validity to my theory that he is the most important or irreplaceable guy on this team. Because if you take him off the court and you put Tony Bradley in his place, yes, theoretically, you might get better. You may get a better defense from Bradley than you would Vucevic. But what does the Bulls offense do then when you remove that, you know, big hub, let's say, from um, from a pick and roll our perspective that Vucevic is currently creating or offering the ball so uh, it's good that he is so involved and, and I want him to be so involved because he's obviously a very very good offensive player but if they maybe go too Vucevic heavy then in the event that he's not on the floor for whatever reason uh, you know if he has an ankle injury or something of that nature then does this team have the ability to pivot um, if they play in a certain way for, for so long and, and he's you know, controlling so much of the volume, but uh, obviously that's a, a wait and see. But I guess you know, thinking about the offense as well. What you you touched on it again before, the passing has been so good. That, you know, in terms of the assist to field goal makes, that ratio has been very very healthy right now. The balls are just passing ball really well. Well, at least the first two games. Less so the the second game against the Cavs here, but nonetheless, I I'm, I've just been thinking like obviously this is a product of how billy wants to play and maybe this is a product of how the bulls should play given that they don't have a a luka type or a harden or a lebron who you can just give the ball and just you want the ball in his hands like 95 percent of the time the bulls don't really have that type of creation out there so you know sharing the low that the way they're doing is kind of necessary but at the same time maybe it's necessary or at least a way for them to um stem any concerns around the fit and you know there's no issues, I guess, of, of thinking about fit if Ddr and Levine and Lonzo are all getting their touches. So, in terms of you know the an egalitarian type approach to an offense, it makes sense for this team. But do you think that the, the the root cause of instilling that type of offense is just to really, you know, just remove any concerns around fit and then those sorts of things?
0: Yeah, I mean, as soon as this team was put together, I think my concerns on the offensive end were pretty minimal. I know mm-hmm. that. The helos, heliocentric offense is kind of like the flavor of the day uh, with guys like Luka and and Trey Young leading those types of offenses. But mm. to be honest, it's been really rare that a heliocentric offense can be really effective, especially in the playoffs. I yeah. think, you know, like LeBron has done it, but it's been you – know, if you look at the Bucks or you look at the Raptors or the last few teams that have done it, they've used a more egalitarian offense. And I think I think the Bulls are well-equipped – to succeed in the regular season and have a really efficient offense because as we saw last season after the Vooch trade, they became one of the best passing teams in the league and the turnovers really dropped down a lot. And the more capable, smart ball handlers you have on the team, the better your offense is going to run in just in general. And we kind of saw it tonight that even when the offense got bogged down and even though Levine and Vucevic weren't really having effective shooting nights, you had another guy in DeMar who could get hot and kind of carry the offense through those stagnant stretches. So I think when you're not relying on just one guy and you have multiple people, as the Bulls now have, to run both transition and half-court offense effectively, I mean, it's just a really, really good strategy for the regular season. Uh, and I think, you know, if, if and when we get to the playoffs, we've got two of the best certified bucket getters in the league and Zach Levine and, and DeMar DeRozan to kind of carry us through those stretches. So I really believe that this style of offense is going to be really effective. We're going to be one of the best passing teams in the league. We're going to have, you know, we should get used to very high assist totals and hopefully low turnovers. The more you can take the ball out of Levine's hands specifically in the clutch, something that that's something that we struggled with last year because everyone knew who was going to take that shot. Having multiple options in the clutch is going to be, more effective for us and allow us to, you know, piss away a lot less games uh, like we did last year. So I'm really a believer in the offense. And I I really think that AK and Mark have done an incredible job, job bringing in enough shooters and enough slashing and athleticism to really make that offense work. I, I think, I know we've talked about this before. I do think you really want maybe one more specific four that can maybe shoot a little bit or maybe I don't know, someone that can provide a little bit more defensive versatility in some lineups. But I think Alizé Johnson, to this point, has done a pretty darn good job as a small ball five at six foot seven. So maybe I'm overthinking that at this
1: point as well. No, I think that's still, it's still an open question because... You know, Al- Alizé has been I, unbelievable, to be fair, in preseason. Um, <laughs> he's basically, for every minute out there, he's grabbing a, a, an equivalent amount of rebounds. At, at least that's what it feels like. He had 11 rebounds in 17 minutes, 9, 14, and 11. I think the other game he had, a, one of the previous games, I think he had a, an 11-rebound game. He, he's just a rebounding machine, and considering he's... I don't know, six foot seven, and, and looks like he's 210, 220 pounds, something like that. There's not much of him out there, and yeah, it was it was actually quite comical tonight when uh, he was he was matched up against Taco Fall for 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 sequences within that game. But like he is undersized, but he is bringing something to the table as an undersized center from a rebounding point of view, but obviously from a, from a switching point of view the the Bulls can do more stuff with, from that, from that sense with their second unit, they can, than they can their starters. Um, so maybe we can transition from the offense and talk about the defense. And in, in a way like that, they're obviously connected that the Bulls defense is helping fuel their offense. And maybe this is why they're getting, uh, you know, even more assists, less turnovers than what they maybe would be in, if they were just sort of trapped into a half court set, because, I don't know, their, their defense at the moment has been way better than expected. Um, I know a lot of us, not a lot of us, but there were some who were scoffing at the notion that the Bulls would, would be a bad defense and maybe that was just some bravado by uh, the C-Red type of fans. But I mean, there were there were serious concerns around the defense. I'm well, not serious, but there, there were reasons to be concerned about certain elements of the defense. Maybe not, not, not necessarily the point guard defense anymore, given you brought in Lonzo and Caruso, but up front, behind Vucevic, you know, up in terms of the big defense and those sorts of things, there were, there were reasons to be concerned after losing Thad and Tice. But th- thus far, the Bulls are getting around that by just being a super long, athletic and, and fast team. And at the moment, they're just generating so many steals and, and leading to, you know, fast break points, transition opportunities. And that is helping fuel their offense. So, again, thinking about what is real, what is sustainable, can the Bulls continue to play this manic switch-based one through four, at least within the starting, within the starters? Not necessarily really switching with uh, Vucevic, but everyone else on the court feels like they're switching out there. It it clearly feels like this is where the Bulls are going, and and OKC have previously done something similar under uh, under Billy Donham in the past, so there's reason to believe it will continue, uh, and the Bulls personnel will kind of allow that to continue, but. I don't know in terms of the results where the balls are getting, you know, generating double digits in in assists and that helping to fuel the uh, their offense, but also you know it's helping them get a, get around the fact that they're a small team. They don't necessarily have to go to the glass because if they're stealing the ball from the from the, their opponent, their their opponent's obviously not shooting the ball. So I don't know. Do you think what we are seeing defensively will carry over to the to the regular season, or is this just a product of playing two? bad to so-so teams who probably won't be that great in terms of uh, taking care of the ball anyway.
0: Yeah, I think the results can definitely vary, but I do believe that the style of play that they're instituting uh, with with the different starters and and bench is something that they're going to do. Billy has, I think, one of his greatest strengths as a coach is putting guys in position to succeed and maximize their strengths and minimize their weaknesses on both ends. And so one of the things you're seeing and something that Larry and I discussed as we were kind of theorizing what the defense might look like because they have a bunch of guys that are similar sized between the one and the four, you can switch a lot of those actions that um, you can switch a lot of the, the, you know, you can switch as you're getting screened or in pick and roll settings. And one of the things that I wasn't sure to expect is they're having Vooch play a little bit higher. He's still play drop, but he's playing mm-hmm. a little bit higher up in drop. And then he, you're having um, the two wings on the on the on each baseline kind of stand closer in uh, to the key, and, and so what what you're doing there is you know you're you're removing some of the easier mid range shots that we saw a lot of teams, especially like Trey Young comes to, comes to mind as an example, where our guards were so poor last year at, at navigating screens that the offensive ball handler had several seconds sometimes to just do whatever he wanted and make a decision without a lot of pressure on him. And the guards were doing a poor job of locking and trailing behind him and kind of getting back into that play. What they've done this year, there's still, I mean, we still have some of the personnel that struggle with screens. Uh, you know, Zach and Kobe both kind of had that issue last year of navigating over screens. They kind of get caught up and maybe not, not getting back as fast as they could. But you do have guys like uh, Alex Caruso and Troy Brown Jr. I think are, are pretty good. Alex Caruso is one of the best in the league at it. So what they're doing to help mitigate that is – and something I went over with Lara on film the other night was if it's Zach or DeMar as the person being screened and the other person is Lonzo or Caruso, they're almost always switching that screen. They're almost always yeah. switching when it gets screened. And that's to help mm-hmm. mitigate someone getting caught up on a screen – yeah, and with Vooch more you know closer to the level of the screen, it's re- it's giving the opposing ball handler a lot less time to make a quick decision, and and then when you've when they do get around the screen and start rolling to the basket, you know Vooch is backpedaling, but a lot of times you've got the the helpers the, the low man on the weak side will slide over, mm-hmm. especially when the the ball handler is trying to you know dump it down to the big that's rolling, they'll our helper will get there right as the big is catching the ball. And that forces them to make a quick decision without really having, getting a lay of the land like they would like to. So what Billy's trying to do is minimize the defensive concerns with their ability to navigate screens and also give Vooch a little bit of extra time, yeah. you know, to, to kind of get in position and then you got good guys uh, on the baseline that can that can slide in and help or show or dig as that as that big is rolling to the basket. Now it's not perfect, right? When you when you do have guys helping from the baseline, you're opening up corner threes. Mm-hmm. So they got to be careful with that. But I do think that because of the athleticism of all those guards and wings, we have a much better opportunity to make a hard closeout if they do end up you know making that weak side pass or strong side pass uh, than we did last year. So I'm really encouraged overall by the by the defense, and I do think it's sustainable as far as the type of things that we're running. You saw tonight, though, uh, Mark, that the effort level wasn't quite there as much as it was in the first two games. There was a sequence where DeMar got uh, blown by, by Lowry, of yeah. all people, for yeah. a dunk, yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. that wasn't the only time. So you know, the rotations were a little bit slow, but that was something that they did really, really well the first two games, and I do think – If the effort's there and the trust is there, that's something they can sustain.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with all your points that you've made. And you can play Vooch up higher if you have faith that the guys that are behind him in terms of the help defense are willing and able and understand when to rotate and where to rotate and they're communicating. So there's one thing... I guess it's one thing to want to play your center up higher, but you have to have the, the necessary pieces behind him uh, doing what they need to from a defensive standpoint to, to carry out the help defense and those rotations. And, you know, that you noted it there that the balls were maybe a little bit sloppier against the Cavs, you know, this time around versus last time. And, you know, that probably is going to happen when you absolutely, you know, pants this team by 45 Fifty points at one point. Uh, I can't remember actually how much they won that game because I kind of tuned out. It was uh, just a complete massacre of the Cavs in the first game. But uh, it's it's understandable, I suppose, and obviously it's preseason as well. But when the real stuff starts, when they when they are engaged, based on what we have seen when they have been engaged, I, I wasn't expecting this level of defense. Like even even on a good night when when they're engaged, I like thought the Bulls are doing from a defensive standpoint, particularly guys like DeRozan. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., Javante Green, like, the, the the level of help defense that we're seeing from the Bulls, particularly, particularly those guys that are guarding in corners and the way they are helping Vucevic to enable Vucevic to play higher, which then enables the guy at the, you know, at the point of attack, whether it's a Alonzo or Caruso or even a Levine, whoever's in the pick and roll action, like, the backline guys are really uh, their level of help defense is sort of really uh, giving. Uh, I guess it's emboldening the the pick and roll action, the, the defense at the top where you know Vucevic can play higher. The guy at you know defending the screen or getting trying to get around the screen knows that Vucevic is there, therefore he he knows where to be net, um, on the on the next sort of sequence. So it's all coming together and. It, Even for guys like DeRozan, who yes, maybe not the best isolation defender. You referenced that play there, Chris, where he got beat off the bounce from by Larry Markin, and he went in and dunked that ball, which was not ideal. There wasn't a lot of help in that sequence either. But I think. By and large, the Bulls defense has been quite good. And uh, you know, the switching thing is nice, but I've actually been more impressed with how they're helping and rotating between particularly the, the corner guy and uh Demand I think it was Demand was it was it the first game or the second game? I can't remember which game it was, but his rotation is that weak side guy helping Vucevic out when that Vucevic's player is rolling into the into the paint, particularly with someone like Jarrett Allen and DeMar is rotating over or it's Derek Jones Jr. rotating into the paint and then running back out to the corner to, to go back and defend his man. Like, that stuff has been really crisp. It's been really sound. And I'm assuming that'll carry over because if they've got that level of stuff down already early this or this or early in preseason, I can only imagine as this team, again, continues to come together, that that stuff will just be uh, continue to iron out. And, and the way they rotate and the way they run around, like, that stuff will just be even better. Um, so... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and suggest the Bulls are gonna be a great defense or maybe even a good defense, but I'm pretty confident now that they're gonna be a competent a competent defense, and if they are and the offense can be top ten like we hope, then I don't know this this really does change who the Bulls can be.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I it was the the first quarter of the first game against the Cavs where DeMar made that that rotation as the low man to to stuff Jared Allen at the rim, and I almost passed out. Yeah. I I couldn't believe it, and then uh, there were several instances where Zach Levine was as as the low man on the weak side would make that rotation and force Mm. an errant pass, leading to an easy turnover and steal and and a transition dunk. Like that's the kind of stuff that Zach really struggled with earlier in his career, and he's made the most strides on. And I think with you mentioned and and I talked about this. It was a little sloppier tonight, and there were a couple instances, for example, where Lonzo would gamble a little bit on the perimeter. And because yeah. the help wasn't as crisp tonight, it resulted in, in a really easy basket at the rim. So the defense has to be on the string. But I agree with you, Mark, that the so far the rotations have been really encouraging. The activity level in general on that end has been really encouraging. And I think... I mean, I was singing Caruso's praises before he was even on the Bulls. Like I was like, "This is a great person for the Bulls to pick up. <laughs> Please pick him up." Yeah, and I know yep. both you and I were 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 big into the idea that Lonzo could be successful here. But mm-hmm. I think with Lonzo specifically, I've been more impressed and uh, just encouraged by his defense and his activity than I, I maybe thought he would be, and. Yeah, that with with Zach, if you've got guys like Caruso and Lonzo and and uh Derek Jones and Javante Green, I mean, Javante Green's been a revelation on that end too. If you yeah. guys got guys like that, it's gonna make Zach's job and Tamar's job and Vuc's job a whole lot easier. And as you mentioned, you know, the the defense is probably not gonna be top ten. But, you know, with the offense, we there's not really a whole lot of discernible weaknesses in that offense. But with the defense, you you do have weaknesses, right? They're the lack of size is is a real thing and the fact that our three best players are not known as defensive stalwarts is definitely not, you know, it's definitely something you have to compensate for. So if but if they can play this kind of style with this activity and they have the trust and the effort on the defensive end, I don't see why they can't be a top half defense. As long as they're competent, as long as they're in that teen range, I think the Bulls can get to where they want to this season.
1: Yeah, I agree. And look, and you make a good point. Like when you play a a switch heavy type defense, when you're switching one to four, you're opening yourself to rotations. Like you are forcing yourself into rotations um, more so than the team, maybe the opponent forcing that action. And you're willingly giving that up to maybe take away certain things. And we saw it tonight. We've seen it throughout the preseason that particularly on ball, when Larry, like tonight, Larry Markham was playing small forward for the Cavs. the, The Bulls had no issue switching that. You know, that, that works against someone with Lowry, but can you do that against Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, uh, you know, some of the bigger power type wings in the NBA? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but whenever you switch, you, you have to be, you know, communicating at the highest level, I guess. So, so it, it is it is subject to some risk. So we'll see how that sort of carries out against actual real Real offenses and, you know, against the Pelicans, for example, could you have switched as much as the Bulls did had Brendan In- uh, not Brendan, Brandon Ingram and Zion played and particularly Zion like you, you can't necessarily switch as much on uh, on Zion as you would uh, as you would like, I guess, or you could against Larry Markkinen and, you know, Patrick Williams would be the guy guarding a Zion who obviously isn't playing as well. But if, if Williams is the primary Guy defending a Zion. Do you want to switch that action? So maybe that's a game to game decision that the Bulls need to make or would make. But nonetheless, I guess it, it is. It is encouraging. And I guess what is fueling this ability to even switch is the the guys that you mentioned, Caruso and Lonzo. The fact that they are six foot five, six foot six type point guards out there. You, you're essentially playing a whole team of wings. Like this team is very very huge now. Like when when Kobe comes back, is he? I mean who's the smallest guy on this team at this point is it is it Kobe is it Io? I'm not even really sure at this point but like they're, they're not to say they're, they're small guards either they're like 6 foot 4 6 foot 5 so the Bulls aren't really in a position where they're going to be throwing out a guy out there who's 6 foot 1 6 foot 2 or you know they're not going to be throwing a Ryan Archer out there or something like that or or Devon Dotson I'm I'm assuming he won't be playing many minutes so when you have big athletes like that you, you can play the way or that it emboldens you to play that way because you have the, the necessary pieces to to play that way. And I have been, um, yeah, I've been thrilled with what we've seen from Lonzo. You know, Caruso kind of expected this because, you know, this is just the way he's always played, I guess. And then he's in a similar role to, to what he was with Los Angeles. Whereas with Lonzo, I mean, he's in a similar role to the, to the role that he had in, in New Orleans, but the level of defensive activity that he's shown what he's sort of enabling this defense to be like, you can be a switch defense with Lonzo out there. Whereas like, you know, I referenced a play before where, where Levine and Lonzo were sort of switching between their assignments and switching as to who would take Larry. Like you can't do that. If you've got a, a smaller guard that's switching with Levine in that instance. So you, you would just be getting a mismatch and, you know, maybe, maybe Larry Marketing couldn't take a smaller guard off the bounce anyway. So maybe it would work against Larry, but someone else, it probably wouldn't. So yeah, I've just been thrilled with, uh, with what I've seen from Lonzo and, and if he can keep this up from a defensive standpoint yes there's been a couple of times where he has been beaten like he's like you mentioned he's been maybe cheating on a few possessions where he's he's gone for the steal to really fuel that transition opportunity uh, but by and large what he's been doing from a defensive standpoint has been huge and what he's enabling as well is uh is even, probably even more important so yeah maybe, maybe i'll give you a couple of minutes here just to riff on lonzo what he's been able to bring to the bulls and um yeah whether you view view his performance thus far as sustainable
0: yeah i mean it- for me, the important part of Lonzo is the passing, and is the the defensive versatility that he provides. I mean, you saw him switched to Lowry in the first a couple in the first game, and, and a little bit tonight, and just the, the, his size and activity allows him to be a little bit more aggressive on the defensive end. And if you've got you know other athletic guards and wings behind him, and Vooch playing a little bit higher in the drop, it allows him to kind of freestyle it a little bit more. And Lonzo is mm-hmm. really, really good. And his brother is like this as well. They, they just read the game at such a high level and they see, they see where the passes are going to go. They see those passing lanes and they position themselves so well. So I, I really have been impressed with Lonzo as far as, you know, he's not the quickest, not necessarily the quickest guy. And as I, I mentioned, one of his weaknesses is, is navigation of screens. Although I think he's done a fairly good job so far. His, you know, and this is, this is like, this is something that Lara would probably know a lot more about, but uh, because he studies draft, you know, draft uh, stuff, but his hips are a little bit stiffer. He's not able to kind of twist and turn around screens the way Caruso can. But what Lonzo is really good at is positioning, seeing where the ball's going to go. He just understands the game at a higher level than than kind of your average NBA player. So that just allows him an advantage of knowing where he needs to be in all these different situations. So I know, I, I know a lot of people are going to focus on the shooting and whether he's shooting a lot every night. The shooting has been nice, and you can tell that the form, he's really worked on it, and it's unrecognizable from when he came into the league. But for yeah. me, the shooting is kind of like a perk rather than a necessity uh, be- because of the different options we have on the team as long as Lonzo has some shooting gravity to kind of drag his defender out. And what I'd really like to see is more screening from Lonzo screening for his teammates and cutting. He didn't do a whole lot of cutting in new Orleans, but that's something I think he's going to be able to do here. He did it in the first game or maybe it was the Pelicans game where he, um, he passes the in the post yeah. And notice that his his guy kind of took a step towards Vooch to double him and he ran mm-hmm. right behind him and got a nice layup. So, yeah. Lonzo has not been good historically so far getting to the rim and finishing there. So, if but if he can just use that space effectively, even if he's not the one finishing at the rim, just putting the pressure on the defense by cutting or by screening for teammates, that's going to be really helpful. So, I don't think his offensive game as far as the points he's scoring is a really big part of why I think he's important. I think it's everything else that he does; these little kind of glue elements to his game that are really effective. And, and Caruso, what I love about Caruso and that signing is he's kind of like a, a clone of Lonzo in a lot of those ways. The reasons <laughs> that Caruso is important, he's not—you know—he's not like break you down, pick and roll ball handler, just like Lonzo. Um, he's not necessarily the greatest shooter, but he's got that shooting gravity, and he's just got that defensive the defensive chops and just that processing speed that Lonzo has and so both of them together if you watch them together on defense oh man I feel bad for opposing ball handlers they just <laughs> they just can't make a pass to save their lives they just know exactly where they're going to go it's just been really really phenomenal to watch both those guys on the floor th- so far
1: yeah 100% I mean it look against the Cavs Lonzo didn't have a great shooting night but he got like, six threes. Uh, against the Pelicans, he was five or six from from the three point line. So I think the sh- the shooting is real. I think at this point, and he's continuously improved from that standpoint. But coming to Chicago, I don't see why that will change. And if nothing, if you know, if nothing else, it may improve. So the the volume is there. So I think he's going to be a, a credible spot up shooter. But to your point about like all the other little things that he does, like we we could maybe better on your show where you guys are doing film where you we when you can sort of break down all the things that he's doing but more holistically three steals four blocks tonight against the Cavs he, when he does get hit on screens because he is 6 foot 6 he has the, uh, the ability to get back in plays and there's been a number of times this offseason or this preseason rather where yes he was initially caught on the screen but because he knew where what the uh the offense was trying to generate out of the pick and roll action and because he has the length and ability to get back and will get back into the play after initially getting hit on the screen using that length to block shots or alter shots like that is again just super helpful and and, and to your point around Alonso and Caruso being I mean they're not the exact same player but they offer a lot of the similar things and that's why I'm really excited about the Bulls backcourt because we haven't seen Kobe play yet but Again, like not the Kobe and Zach are the exact same player, but you know, thinking about it from a very rudimentary point of view, like they are score first guys, and if you can if you can sort of pair those type of players who are score first, maybe aren't the best defenders, with a type of guard who can bring everything else those guys don't necessarily bring, and now you have that in both backcourt units, whether it's your starters in uh, in Lonzo and Levine, like that combination seems to be working beautifully. But I'm really excited to see when Kobe returns to how he and Caruso can fit because we can talk about Caruso and Lonzo sort of helping make Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic better players or better defensive players. But I think the same will be true for Kobe as well. Like when he gets back and playing next to a Caruso rather than last season when you had both of Levine and Kobe out there together, like that was my main issue with that backcourt. But now that you can effectively have. Similar type backcourts in all units. It's just going to be so huge for the Bulls. So I'm I'm really looking forward to to Kobe coming back from that standpoint. And yeah, the signings of Ball and Caruso, it's been huge. And uh, I'm I'm very very uh, I'm very um glad you know with what they've they've brought it. But I I guess the other guy who I wanted I wanted to finish on, and touch on a point around like the the final roster spot. Like Shavante Green has sort of really changed this this equation. Uh, you know, you, but the Bulls are getting great perimeter defense from Lonzo Ball and, and Alex Caruso. Um, I'm, I'm hoping they'll get the same from uh, Patrick Williams when he returns. But Javante Green has come from kind of nowhere, for at least from my point of view. Like, I thought he was just going to be part of the third string and maybe play a spot minutes here and there. But he's obviously starting at the moment, playing 15 to 20 minutes a game. Clearly, he's going to be in the rotation based on the level of, uh, uh, level of activity that he's bringing to the point where... You know, I thought he was going to make the team, but I I thought maybe he wasn't necessarily going to be a reliable player or someone that you could you know count on within the rotation. Where I assumed someone like Stanley Johnson was probably going to make the team, and and maybe Alize Al- Al- Johnson as well. Whereas Javante Green is sort of. You know, playing that backline defense or helping on ball in the way that Lonzo and Caruso is to the level where you have another realistic, reliable player within the rotation, which has really, for me at least, changed the the equation as to who should be the last man that gets the final roster spot for the Bulls heading into the regular season. You know, I'm assuming it'll come down to. To Stanley Johnson or or Matt Thomas, given that Alize Johnson has been so damn good, and to the point where I wonder even if Tony Bradley plays when he returns, because Alize has been so good as a backup center. But I guess I just wanted to finish up with this, uh, finish the show on this point. Like to me, at least, there's, there's one spot available. It's it's either Stanley Johnson's to to have or to for Matt Thomas to take it. But where are you leaning on this particular question? And based on how the roster is currently constructed, who's playing Watson, maybe Javante Green sort of entering the equation. Uh, how, how are you seeing it at the moment?
0: Well, to answer an earlier question you had, I think Javante is officially the shortest rotation player on the roster at 6'4", 6'3", he might be. Uh, no. But it certainly doesn't seem that way because he played power no. forward. No. Uh, he's played yeah. power forward for three times now and it's it's uh, it's gone pretty well. But I think he's going to take... On Javante still, I think he's going to take the Kobe minutes early on in the season, that role. And you also mentioned how Zion was out. And I think that Patrick Williams is probably the only person on the roster currently that has any chance of guarding Zion. Mm. And that worries me a bit. You mentioned the bigger forwards and wings. I don't think Troy Brown Jr. quite has the heft to guard those guys on a nightly basis. Yeah. And, you know, Lonzo mm-hmm. can probably do so in spots, but that's why I kind of lean towards Stanley Johnson out of out of him and Matt Thomas for that last spot. I, I know currently Matt Thomas's shooting would, is providing the boon because we, we're really missing Kobe White in that role. But yeah. I, I do think, you know, assuming Kobe's gonna be back about a month into the season, I think we can kind of get by without that additional shooting available, maybe we can fill a two-way spot with with another shooter. Maybe Matt Thomas ends up being the two-way spot. I'm not sure if he's eligible. I can't remember how those rules work, but I do think having another guy that can kind of replicate the size and strength defensively to guard big forwards that Patrick Williams has, I think that's going to be probably a more important skill set, and that's what Stanley Johnson provides. Now, Stanley Johnson is not done really anything on offense and that's kind of what I expected but yeah. I I do think that his defense is for real and, and is a valuable skill it's one of the reasons I thought um that uh Justice Winslow might have been a good pickup for us just because he's he's got such good size on that end mm-hmm. but so I I do kind of lean Stanley Johnson at this point I know Matt Thomas has had a, a pretty nice showing offensively but I do think that once Kobe's back his skill set's going to be a little bit more important behind Pat and especially with our lack of size in general than Matt Thomas is shooting. But I, I may be wrong and, and they may go a different direction, but that's kind of what I'm leaning towards right now.
1: Yeah, look, I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer on this. So I'll qualify it in that sense. But because you're getting minutes out of Javante at the small forward or power forward position, you've got Derek Jones Jr. back now from injury. He'll be playing one of those positions. Yeah, I take your point, Troy pro, Troy Bound is probably more 2 3 than 3 4, but nonetheless, you know, he'll be playing on the wing. You've obviously got DeMar Patrick when he comes back. So there's, there are facsimiles of Stanley Johnson on the roster who can do Stanley Johnson type things, let's say. Whereas Matt Thomas in a specialist type role, I understand what you're saying in terms of when Kobe's back, like he will be the primary shooter off the bench. And that, that again, does make sense, but. I don't know, the way the roster is constructed for me at this point, I kind of value having a specialist shooter that you can just maybe plug and play every now and then. Uh, You know, If the offense, for whatever reason, is stalling and you need a basket, you can bring in Matt Thomas, which is something you can't necessarily do with Stanley Johnson. Obviously, the reverse applies if you need to stop and for whatever reason Patrick Williams isn't playing or you're not getting anything out of Green or uh, uh, Derek Jones Jr., then you can throw a, a Stanley Johnson out there, but... I don't know, the way, for me at least, the way the the team is currently constructed, I I would be leaning Matt Thomas, but I guess it's kind of a a silly thing to even be debating because you know, whether it's Matt Thomas or Stanley Johnson, they're the 15th guy. They're probably not going to be playing anyway. So it probably doesn't really matter. But um, what I've seen from Alizé Johnson has kind of made it very clear that it was never going to be a, com- a competition between Alizé and Stanley because Alizé completely owned that competition if it was one anyway. But um, I don't know. I- I've liked what I've seen from Matt Thomas. Billy's been Billy's rotations have been interesting as well. We saw more of Matt Thomas in Game 1. We saw more of Stanley Johnson in Game 2. And in this one, at least, Derek Jones Jr. got more minutes than both of them. And I think uh, I think Matt Thomas checked in before Stanley Johnson did against the Cavs the second time around as well. So it, I don't know if the Bulls, uh, at least at this point, know who their 15th guy is going to be. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how that sort of evolves over the next coming days into the as we head into the regular season. But I think there's a... I think there's arguments for both I'll say that
0: I agree I mean I, I, I see the reason behind Matt Thomas and I wouldn't be surprised if they went that route instead it's as you mentioned though it's the 15th guy, and if the 15th guy is getting minutes it's it's the Ryan diaconal problem. hey Ryan's fine, mm. but if he's playing 15 20 minutes a game, you got red flags mm. on the team so yeah. if, if Matt Thomas is getting rotation minutes early in the season, that's probably not great for uh, for yeah. the offense so and same with Stanley Johnson on the defensive end. So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, th- th- there is one person I think who would really solve a lot of problems for us, but unfortunately he's currently under contract with Barcelona and that's uh, Nikola Mirotic. So <laughs> he would be a, a perfect shooter, an extra shooter off the bench and and uh, be able to guard those bigger forwards and play some small ball five. But alas, uh, he was able to resolve, I think, his contract dispute with Barcelona and, and he's going to continue there. So, Bad luck for, for me and you, but probably a good luck for most of the families that hate them.
1: Yeah, shout out to C-Red Fred. Uh, he probably tuned out when the minute you said that, Chris, um, as soon as he heard that word. Uh, Mission Yeah, he most certainly, uh, well, look, maybe he's already not listening. Maybe he's already unsubscribed from uh, Balls HQ if he ever subscribed it in the first place. But uh, the minute he heard the other uh, name, Nicola Miratichi, most certainly uh, unsubscribed at that point. But, um, yeah, some more shooting would be nice. Yeah. Uh, well, a player that could do both shooting and defense would be ideal. But uh, hopefully, that's what Pro- Patrick Williams will bring when he returns, which is uh, hopefully soon. But um, look, we'll, we'll end the podcast here, Chris. Three games into preseason, two extremely good results, one pretty good result, a professional win, let's call it. One where when your offense isn't going, they did enough to necess- They did enough to sort of formulate a win, which is good to see. But uh, nonetheless, three and zero Bulls. The Bulls over the last week, it's, it's been good. It's been good being a Bulls fan, and uh, hopefully this continues into the regular season, but we shall see. Chris, uh, thank you for joining me today, mate, but um appreciate you for, you for doing so, but, f- but before you get away, uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, plug whatever you're doing with our Bulls 101. Anything else, mate? Now's the opportunity.
0: Thanks. Yeah, I think, you know, plus 73 over three games is a pretty nice result. Uh, anyway, you mm. slice it at this point in the yeah. preseason, so... I appreciate having me on. It's always, I just love talking to bulls and it's, it's so much nicer to talk bulls when the bulls are good. And I really think, (laughs) I hope, I hope the bulls will surprise some people. I I think I got a little bit too high, maybe the first two games. And I was trying to say, you know, they're they're not going to win every game by 40. They're going to lose some games. I got to imagine in my head. And this game kind of helped bring it back into perspective a little bit. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, you can. So I, uh, Laro and I, Host a show, co-host a show, Bulls 101. It's on the Barroom Network. We, we do the show every Saturday night live. It's live video. You can catch us on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, there's probably other platforms as well. So Barroom Network hosts it. It's at 11 p.m. Central Time. I know that's kind of late. If you can't catch it live, I, I post the show on all podcast platforms right after the show ends, usually within the hour. And that's also, if you, any pod, pa, podcast platform you have, just type in Barroom Network. The Barroom Network has a bunch of different shows on it. There's uh, two Bulls shows currently, both uh, me and Lero's show show Bulls, Bulls 101. I can't talk. It's too late at night here. And um, <laughs> the other one is is our friend Salim and Edward with Bulls Gold. They just recently came over to the Barroom Network as well. So some great content there. If you want, you know, film breakdown, great guests. And, uh, you know, occasionally, Mark, you show up. So I also do want to mention I, I have accepted an invitation to do some writing for a site called premiumhoops.org. Cool. So I, I just finished an article today on DeMar DeRozan, actually, and the, the idea of overpaying and how overpaying can actually be a good thing sometimes. So I'm, you know, look for that hopefully in the next couple of days here. And I'm hoping to do some more writing this season. So I'm trying to just expand little by little and i'm i'm really happy with how far it's gone in the last you know the last eight months as you've been a you know a, a front row participant here in in me doing some more content creation and i, and I appreciate your support as always
1: Ah oh, for sure mate you you Lara, two of my favorite people in the community so uh, i I'm, I'm glad to see you guys doing what you're doing um and yeah i'd wasn't wasn't aware that you, you're getting into the writing space but that that is good news um obviously people can uh contract that uh, at klo AA, hoops rather on twitter so um you, you know if you want to i'm assuming get across chris's writing all that sort of stuff that's where they get you yeah
0: yeah sorry i should have plugged my twitter that's that's where i'm usually <laughs> writing is is just short 280 uh character tweets so at kla hoops and laro is at underscore l-a-r-r-o-h-o-o-p-s as well so
1: we shouldn't have shouted laro at because he wasn't on the podcast so don't follow laro disappointed don't follow
0: laro. yeah give give laro a stern talking to- no I'm, he's he's super busy and, and tired and he's he's working for the man so it's a it's a tough life sometimes and but uh, follow you should follow him definitely for some film breakdown he's uh one of the best in the business at it
1: yeah no no for, not for sure i'm obviously just joshing laro if you if you're listening my friend but uh I certainly uh, support that statement. But Chris, thank you for coming on, mate. I really do appreciate it. Whilst people are out there following Chris's stuff, you can follow me on Twitter too. I am on there as well. Uh, just spouting out nonsense constantly about this team at MK Hoops you can follow the podcast too at Bulls HQ pod if you want to be part of the Bulls HQ discord join up before the regular season starts and you can do so by either shooting me a DM on Twitter for an invite or feel free to grab an invite from within the sh- uh, description notes of this episode as always subscribe rate review those five stars up on iTunes certainly help the show out a lot and uh, certainly help out my ego as well so that is always appreciated uh, if you want to drop me online via email Bulls HQ pod gmail questions suggestions ideas for the show anything of that nature you know send me an email um, but that just about does it for this episode of the show again thanks for chris for coming on appreciate everyone from tuning in one more preseason game to go before the real stuff starts so uh let's tune into that game we'll see how it all transpires but um so far so good and, and long it may and long may it continue but uh that just about does it for bulls hq speak soon bulls fans <laughs>